0: You are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek.
1: Hey, it's Melissa. And this is Dane. (laughs) We're glad to be back with you. And thank you for all your beautiful emails to us. And if you want to reach us with a question or a suggestion for a topic, you can do so to my email, M-E-L-I-S-A at touchedbyahorse.com. So we've been covering our family a little bit. And I know that some of the stories we tell our listeners are relating to, whether they know somebody who had a transplant or somebody waiting for a transplant, Molly and Corey's love story really hit them and different stories like that and one very important character in our life was your dad i thought we should definitely cover yeah. james quite quite the character <laughs> are you up for that is that okay sure all right yeah <laughs> all right good so who knows where this is going to go cuz he he just was an incredible character. So, I think the first thing was that he had been a cowboy in Wyoming, he had grown up in Oklahoma and maybe we'll get into some of his stories of his life a little bit, but literally your sister had been taking care of him and letting him live with her family for a while and then she called you one day and said, "Hey, I'm going to bring Dad out to see you and, you know, let's let's bring him out to see you." And we thought it was a great idea. So, She and he flew out. But what she had not communicated to us was she was dropping him off. (laughs) She was going to leave him with us to take our turn at having him a while. With no prior discussion, I just remember the shock I was in when we sort of inherited him on the doorstep. You were like,
2: well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) When's the last time you had seen him before that? Yeah, so the last time that I had seen him was when we had first initially met. Oh, yeah, that trip on the trip when you were going to New York Mm -hmm. and I was going to see my dad, we met on the airplane We fell in love. Yep.
1: And told some funny stories about him that's in an earlier podcast because he was a character and a half. So here he is. He's there and we we inherit him and he's going to live with us. And Molly was out in LA by then. So we thought, well, we'll put him in her room and he can live at the top of the stairs. We were living in Boulder at that time, live at the top of the stairs and we'll we'll set him up so he can do it. And I, I do remember the initial shock. I was getting ready to teach a a core training at the ranch, and the initial shock that I had inherited this eighty-five-year-old
2: man was a little much. Well, he was actually a little younger than eighty-five then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, but whatever. He was an older man. How,
1: how old was he,
2: dear? I believe he was eighty-three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. Excuse my eighties. I got yeah. I got ahead of myself a little bit, but. Yes, he was definitely older. He came with a lot of medication. He came with a restricted diet for diabetes. When he would get his hands on sugar, like a Coca-Cola or something, it changed his personality completely. So we really had a learning curve, you know, of how we could support him and how we could take care of him and what he could do and what he couldn't do. So it was an interesting time for sure. What was that like for you to know that... Because you hadn't been tremendously close with him in your adult life that he was coming to live with you.
2: Yeah, not at all. And then I remember having uh, the discussion with our dear friend Peggy. Mm -hmm. She says, you're really going to cherish this for the rest of your life.
1: Right. She said, I know it's a shock right now, yeah. but I think it's going to be a chapter of your marriage that you both will cherish. And we do. Exactly. We laugh about him. We talk about him. We love him so much. It was a big part of us, of our yeah. life together for sure. So your dad grew up in Oklahoma and right. he, what year was he born?
2: He was born in 1924. 24.
1: That's what I thought. Yeah. And my parents were the same age. And so I could really relate you know, to the era that they grew up in just prior to the Great Depression. And, you know, you look back and, and we can't really relate to what that depression was like just how how desperate the, those times were and my mom's family my grandfather was a milkman they didn't have a lot of money during the depression and my dad's owned a really small motel in east texas and then your dad his father had abandoned he and his mom right
2: right right from the story that my dad had told me was that he was out plowing the field with the horse one day and he just dropped the reins and hit the road and left him and his mother.
1: Wow. Yeah. Just walked off. Yeah. Yeah. Which now that I, you know, I'm a big novel reader and I read a lot of novels about that era, the Dust Bowl era, and that whole time when people were so panic-stricken over where was the next meal going to come from. Everything just looked so impossible for them, and many people left their family. Men would wander off in hopes that they were going to find a better way and send money back, but rarely did they do that, and rarely were they able to do that. So he ended up at some point, well, he ended up telling us a story one time that really touched my heart, that they lived in an abandoned train station was streetcar it Street station. streetcar station yeah. that was it and he would go out and shoot rabbits. And, shoot rabbits and, and, and squirrels and, and squirrels, squirrels yeah. uh, for dinner. Right. Plus sell them, whatever he could do. So you got to be pretty poor to, you know, there's not much on a squirrel, right? So it's got to be pretty poor for a squirrel dinner. But yeah, we, it was tough. We used to go hunting
2: when I was younger. Your dad and you? And then we'd Uh-oh. have to eat the squirrels when we came home. Seriously? Seriously.
1: Oh my God, <laughs> the things I'm learning doing this podcast. You, You've eaten squirrel. Does it taste like chicken? It tastes did, like squirrel.
2: I, I didn't like it. I yeah, didn't like exactly. it tastes like squirrel. My They're dad so would, cute. My How dad could would always it? make me these crazy hats or headbands oh, with no. like a squirrel tail on oh, them. Oh,
1: don't tell me these things.
2: <laughs> His
1: dad was a major character, I'm telling you guys.
2: So, okay, now I can picture you in a squirrel hat. So then he ended up like a squirrel hat. <laughs> <laughs> so he ended up. I may George. have to get you a squirrel hat for Christmas. I'm just picturing it in my head now. So I've ne- I've never seen one since. Yeah. So he ended up going into the Navy yeah. when he was 17 or 18.
1: He told a lot of stories about the Navy yeah. and a time. And
2: he went into the Navy just because he wanted he could eat yeah he wanted three square meals yeah, yeah. exactly he could eat and, and, and that he, was during World war Two. ii
1: clean clothes and he could eat and
2: and have a roof over his head of some sort
1: i remember he talked a lot about was he on submarines he talked a lot about the bunks
2: he was on destroyers, destroyers. when he was in the navy but then he ended up working at the naval shipyard and mm. worked on submarines and worked on
1: submarines okay yeah. i got my stories twisted there but he would tell stories in his memories you know that would come up would often be about that time in his life it was such a memorable time when he was in the service and the other stories he would talk about was when he lived in Wyoming and uh, worked on a ranch and had horses and was a cowboy and some of that stuff so do you know how he got out there to Wyoming what that was
2: he ended up it was after he got out of the Navy after World War II he ended up actually meeting up with his father to wow go to work out in Wyoming uh, working on building the Wind River Dam Mm. uh, right close to Thermopolis, Wyoming.
1: You know, when people pass, I always think when they're alive, we're all trying to take care of them and meet their medical needs and their food and, you know, just take care of them. But after people are gone, there's always all these questions, right? That you, I'd love to know from your dad how he and his father who walked off that field and abandoned he and his mom, how they reconnected and what that conversation was and what that was like, you know, yeah, just like yeah. there had to be so much there. But anyway, fast forward, he gets dropped off on our doorstep and we move him into Molly's old room. She's out in LA and his brain was pretty clear as long as his sugar was balanced." And so you're working at the government, getting up at four, leaving in the morning. We had a very large Tuscan Italian house. It was three stories tall. My office was in the bottom and my employees' offices were all in the bottom. The middle floor was our bedroom and upstairs was Kevin's and what had been Molly's, So that's where James was on the third floor where he could, you know, see out and everything. And so after your sister pulled away and, and he had gotten his hands on some candy and was kind of confused for a few days there. But he sat down with me one day and he goes, ma'am. And I thought, what? I says, yes. He says, I'm not sure I can take this job with you on this here ranch. And and I said, okay, what do you mean? And he goes, well, I'm not a young man anymore. I can't do all this heavy work with horses and, and ranch work and all this. And I think, In his mind, he was back in Wyoming a little bit of what was being expected. It was getting all twisted up because he'd see the horses and our life and all that. And so I said, well, tell you what, James, because I learned years ago, go with dementia. Don't go against it. Don't try and correct them. Just kind of go with it. So he said, tell you what, James, I said, I'm hiring you to be the foreman of this place. And he lit up, his eyes were so shiny. And he's like, really? And I go, yeah. And what I need is a foreman. You just tell me if anybody's being lazy around here, you see something that they should be doing and they're not doing it. You report back to me. Well, ma'am, I can do that. It was so endearing. It was so cute. But I do think I started him on the pathway of ratting on everybody don't you he he
2: was he was quite the rat fink
1: (laughs) he definitely was as time went by oh my gosh he was funny and uh gosh the fun we were having with uh kevin hadn't gone off to college or anything yet so he'd be up there in his room on the third floor and he'd have on the weekends a bunch of guys would come over and they'd play video games and crash for the night and stuff his buddy Mike and James had come down the next day and he'd whisper to me, ma'am. And I knew he was in that space. He wasn't always in that space. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes he knew exactly Kevin was my grandson and, you know, exactly, Dane, you're my son and where I'm living. But there were other times his mind traveled back 50 years. And so he'd come back and he'd say, ma'am, we got a problem with that big one. And I go, we do? He goes, yeah, that real big one that works here. (laughs) I go, yeah, Kevin. Yeah, that big guy. Well, what's the problem? And he'd look around. He goes, I hate to say this to you, ma'am, but he sleeps with men up there in his room. <laughs> Tried not to crack up laughing because Kevin was like 16 at the time and they're his high school buddies they're all having fun. I said, is that right? Oh, they're laughing and carrying on half the night in there. And they're of course playing all their video games and stuff in the room. So he'd clear up later and he'd see Kevin later. Hey, Kevin. But, oh my gosh, the times he ratted him out were something else. So we, you know, I think adapted pretty well to yeah. having him, giving him his meds and taking care of him. Gosh, what were all the things that his body was riddled with?
2: So oh, uh, he had, COPD. Yeah, he was had leukemia. Yep. He had testicular cancer. <laughs> yep. He had diabetes. Diabetes there was a, just oh my a big, gosh there's probably 10 different things wrong with the it poor was guy.
1: crazy how many medications he was on and things he had been through and funny surgical stories about him you know and with his testicular cancer we didn't have him then he that was back in north carolina right 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 and they had he was in the hospital he's on all his ivs the story is he's in his hospital clothes you know his little gown and and they're prepping him for surgery the next morning and taking blood doing all this and they explained the surgery to him and what happened he fell out of bed <laughs> he fell out of bed hit his head and tried to escape he was pulling all the stuff out of his arms and stuff he just thought that did not sound like a good idea to have any body part removed so and he had a lot of funny stories about that
2: my whole life with my dad he was always known as bill mm-hmm. his middle name was william so. i knew him as james yeah so, so. anyhow we would at Christmas, I would write on this gifts, B-O-R-B or J. Like Meaning
1: Bill, Bill or James. Or James. So right. B dot or J dot for Bill or James. It was his present. Exactly. Right.
2: Yeah. So I remember the, the one Christmas that uh, Molly and Corey, they were handing out gifts, you know. They would get the gift and it'd have B-O-R-J on it. And then they would say, this is for Borg. Borg, this is yours. <laughs>
1: came his nickname. Bors, here's your kid. yeah.
2: So so Molly and, and Molly and answer. Corey called him Bors like all the time. <laughs> Forever, <laughs> Forever, right?
1: Even even when he died, they were like, "We're gonna miss yeah. Bors." And we I was calling him Bill. You were calling him. I was James. calling him James. Yeah. I, no wonder he was confused. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> Maybe we contributed to the poor guy's confusion. Well, we had this pond, this really pretty little pond off the side of our house. And he
2: loved to fish.
1: He did. He loved it. It was his passion. So we thought, well, it'd be good for him. You know, he doesn't have anything to do all day. So he can go out and he can fish in this pond. But I, the fish were very expensive Chinese catfish that ate mosquitoes. So we never had mosquitoes from the pond or on our farm at all because they ate something like 10,000 mosquitoes an hour or whatever. They were powerful. They were beautiful fish and they, they had been expensive. And so I told him, you catch any fish, you have to throw them back all right, that's good eating. I said, I understand that, but we'll, we'll get fish at the market. If you catch a fish in that pond, James, you turn it loose. You put it back. Okay, fine. So my office had these floor to ceiling windows, just really pretty windows that looked out to this pond. And I see him out there one day, I think you were at work, but I see him out there one day and he's fishing and fishing and fishing. He wrestles this really big one in and he pulls it all the way in and he's, Oh, he's happy. I could see him salivating. He's going to bring that thing in the house, and he's going to eat this fish. And so he's kind of starting walking toward, and I tap on the glass, and I shake my head. Oh, no, old man, you're not doing that. He was so disgruntled. He goes back, and he tosses the fish in the pond and comes stomping back in the house. Oh, my gosh.
2: He couldn't understand why I didn't want him to eat those fish. Well, well, remember the pond, he was always looking for another fishing spot. Oh, yeah. And then, so we had these, like, loppers that he would use. <laughs> the tree cutters. Yeah, yeah. to... T- <laughs> (laughs) Make yourself a spot to fish in. Yep. And you you saw that story. Well, yeah. So that was
1: another one. We're up at the dining or the breakfast table upstairs, and I was always worried that he was going to fall in the pond and drown. So it wasn't a very deep pond, but at the same time, he's an old guy, and I'm trying to work and take care of everything. And I'm thinking, this old guy's going to slip and fall into this pond. So we always kept a good eye on him. So one day we see him with these giant tree trimmer lopper things, and he's, he's sneaking. See, that's how I knew he was up to something because he was kind of sneaking. He's walking like, I don't want to get caught. He's walking between the trees and you could see him and then not see him and then see him and then not see him and see him. He gets to the spot he wants. He wants to cut this branch that apparently was interfering with him casting his fishing pole out. So he he thinks, well, I'm going to cut this branch. So he tries to cut it standing on the shore and he couldn't quite get there. He couldn't lean over enough. So he... Wraps his left arm around the tree. Now he's going to hang out over the water. I'm not kidding. Hang out over the water, balance himself like a monkey at 85 years old onto this limb and this branch, and he's going to cut this other branch with these loppers. So he had the whole idea. So he's maneuvering, and I'm thinking, well, we better get ready to go fish him out of the pond, and we're watching him. And the next thing I know, he tries to cut the branch. He didn't have the strength to do it. And here go our brand new $150 tree loppers into the pond. While he's hanging on the tree like a monkey with his left arm kind of dangling <laughs> and swinging there, he's looking around to see if anybody saw him. He looks at my office window. I wasn't in there. I was upstairs. He looks in there and he gets this like little grin on his face. He pulls himself back on and sneaks all the way back. So later, I don't know, a couple of weeks later, I remember at dinner saying to you, hey, have you seen our tree trimmers? I can't find them anywhere. And you're Is like, it- no, I haven't seen <laughs> <laughs> so like, James, you seen any trade No, tra-? no, nope, nope, nope. Can't say that I've seen those recently. <laughs> That's so funny. So we're like, oh my gosh. Well, then
2: you remember we had set him up with a. Uh, he was getting bored around the place. Yeah. We set him up with like an adult daycare. Well, I center. was
1: getting, I was getting crazy watching him, afraid he was going to drown oh, in that pond. And plus, he was too. starting to bug you a lot down in yeah, your office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we well, put I him in that work. So we put yeah. him in daycare. Yeah. <laughs> And they'd pick him up in the morning, the van, and he'd sit at the front window on a chair and he liked
2: it. Oh yeah, he loved it.
1: And he'd wait for the van to come get him and then they'd take him for the day and he made some friends and he made sweet little crafts so like they'd, they'd have them do different crafts and he'd get home in the afternoon before, about the same time you did about four o'clock and he'd come in the house and he'd come right down the stairs to my office with a big grin and he'd give me whatever he made that day i made this for you and it'd be some sweet yeah. little craft that well, they had he, he would always made. Call very, you the boss lady, very dear yeah. i made this for you the boss lady and it was just very dear and i'd give him a big hug and he's well thank you james this is beautiful and i had a whole little treasure of craft stuff that he had made uh, you know, over that time in daycare. That was sweet.
0: Touched by a Horse offers three comprehensive programs giving you the ability to have the career you've always dreamed about, working in partnership with the Magic of Horses. Our Equine Facilitator Program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business, hosting group experiences with horses.
2: It was really sweet the time that he was waiting for the van, and then the van ended up getting stuck in the snow in front of our house. How do you remember these things? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How do you remember these stories? See, I start nice
1: stories, and yeah. he remembers all this weird stuff. Yeah, so it was snowing. as Boulder, Colorado. They get some serious snow sometimes. And, and I was at
2: work again. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You
1: worked a lot then in the gov. And and so he's waiting for his ride. And I went by and I said, you know, James, with this weather, they may not be coming by today. So you know, don't don't wait there all day. If they don't show up, they may not. They may be closed today or something. And so and so he's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, sure enough, the van pulls in. There were four little old ladies in their wheelchairs and another guy that had a walker on the van already. James was the last one they were picking up before they returned back to the daycare. And we had a, like a, a half circle driveway and it wasn't very level. I will say no, that about no. it. It was a beautiful house, but well, the driveway well, had a slant. Yeah,
2: especially once you got off the driveway. Right, it had a slant yeah. and the
1: the driver, because it's covered with snow, the back wheel of the van started sliding. So they're sliding. They go off in our yard. It doesn't tip the van, thank God. But the whole van ends up with the front wheels on our snowy driveway and the back wheels in our front yard, and it's leaning badly. And so, I ran out to talk to the driver and he said, well, I'll, I'll get a tow truck and I'm so sorry. And I said, don't worry about that, but it's too cold for them to stay out here in this van. So I said, let's, let's get them all in the house and we'll figure if our tractor can pull the van out, we'll do that. So next thing I know, my dad, I canceled my morning and the dining table had all of James and his friends having coffee and tea at the table in our dining room my house became the daycare for jay and he was so happy to have his friends over and then when they loaded them all back in the van by then it's like 2 30 in the afternoon he was he was gonna go yeah Yeah. he was gonna go i said james no you kind of you kind of the whole day was here and you'll go you'll go next time like ah he was all disappointed and i was like oh my god how am i gonna keep my work going with this clown (laughs) so funny
2: Well, you remember when he started getting confused a lot. Yeah. He couldn't figure out the time of day. Oh, yeah. Those were fun. Yeah, so... He wore those black... Um, long johns. Long johns,
1: that's what yeah. they were. So they were winter long johns, and he'd wear them black. And by then, he had lost so much weight. He was a pretty little guy yeah. by then, pretty wiry. And uh, he'd go up to the bedroom. We'd be watching the news, and it uh, be 5.30 in the evening or whatever. And he'd go up to the bedroom, and uh, his bedroom, and evidently he'd fall asleep. So he'd sleep for a while, and then maybe about 6.30, he'd wake up, and he'd see the clock said 6.30, and he'd come padding down the stairs. Yeah, you
2: could hear him going, blah, blah, blah. Boom boom boom, 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 boom,
1: boom. Yeah, he'd take one step at a time, both feet on that step, both feet on the next, both feet on the next. And we'd hear him and it became so dear and we'd sort of look at each other like this is so tender. And he'd come down. Now at six thirty in the evening, right? The sun is going down, not up. And he'd come down the stairs and get ready to go get his cereal bowl. He'd go, Well, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we think, oh my God, who's going to tell him? And so I'd usually say, hey, James. He'd go, yeah, good morning. I go, well, James, there's a little problem with that. This is actually 6.30 in the evening, not 6.30 in the morning. So it's getting ready to be nighttime. And he'd look at me and then he'd crack up laughing. He'd just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And he oh my gosh. And he'd walk back upstairs and go back to bed. Of course, what you and I don't know to this day is how many times did he get up in the middle of the night and do that when we were in bed right
0: right right, we don't know
1: we don't know so i mean i think about that sometimes like we knew that was one of his tricks but who knows maybe he did that at 10 and 11 and whatever too so, yeah, he, he was something else, and he had a great sense of humor. We took him to do some things with us as a family. One time, we took him to one of those paint-your-own-pottery places. Oh, yeah. You remember yeah.
2: that? He had never done that, right? Never
1: done anything like that in his life. And uh, I got him a coffee mug and put it in front of him, put the paints and stuff, and I said, you pick out the colors. He picked out kind of this navy, what kind of a jeans blue, like a denim blue, and he starts painting this mug, and we're painting You're such a good artist, Dane, but we're painting all these pretty intricate things and all sitting there and he's painting this mug and he's painting this mug and he's painting this mug. And I said, well, you know, the place asks us to put our name on it and I meant on the bottom of it so that... They that's how they identify him after they fire him. So I said, "Do you want me to put it on there?" Or can you put it on there? He goes, "I'll do it." So he put his initials, just, just cl- yeah. clear as day, about an inch tall, on this little blue coffee mug. These initials. It was so dear to watch him do that, and I remember when we picked it up a couple of weeks later, all fired and handed it to him. He was so proud of that. Oh, yeah, yeah he loved for it. sure. He loved it. And you kept that, didn't you?
2: Yeah, I uh, keep it in my medicine cabinet, and I. I think i store my razor in
1: there yeah yeah just a sweet memory yeah. sweet memory of him yeah he he was something else he had fun and and as a family we it, it was a good chapter we had fun
2: with him for sure yeah so. i remember the time that we decided to go on a family bowling out, outing oh yeah yeah <laughs>
1: Oh gosh,
2: that's true. So it was you, I Molly. Molly, Kevin. Kevin yeah. I think it was Bill just us. Or James Borge.
1: Yeah. Borges. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're in this bowling alley. And of course bowling alleys, you know, today's world they're computer with a screen above that gives the four players and their scores and everything's done automated and all that. And so in his eighty six years of life, bowling alleys had changed a great deal and uh, you bold, I bold. Molly didn't have a lot of strength because she was so tiny, so her her ball would tend to roll down the aisle fairly slowly. Kevin was powerhouse. He was already about six foot one and just stronger than an ox, even in high school. And he'd sail that ball down the lane, and then here'd come James, and he'd have this ball, and he'd sort of he had it in two hands, two hands, would, right? Like, drop it, <laughs> kind yeah. of drop it, right? I was gonna say he rolled it, but he, and it
2: would go. Boom, 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 boom. boom. Oh, my God. It's almost like coming down the stairs.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It is. It was so cute. And this ball would take forever. We were always thought, like, what are you going to do if it just stops? You know, it's going so slow. It would go all the way down but there. he was
2: very competitive. He
1: was. Yeah. And, so, and actually, they did pretty well. They didn't go in the gutter. At least it was in the center most of the time. So I'm sitting next to him. I don't know if you remember this or not, but I'm sitting next to him. I was always curious about him. And I said, so James, when's the last time you went bowling? And he goes, hmm. And his mind... Traveled so now probably twenty minutes go by. He's bowled again. We've all bowled again. You know, we're on to the next frame and everything else. And he looks at me and he goes seventy-two years. And I go seventy-two years. What? And he goes since I bowled last. <laughs> seventy-two years before that. Crazy. <laughs> and he bowled last. And he said there was a little man and he'd set the pins up and stuff. You know, and then we'd we'd bowl. But. You know, here I was, I don't know, I was in my fifties and he's like 72 years It's <laughs> I pulled. Oh God, he was so cute. and we had a lot of fun. I do know that then later his his brain really started getting to him. I have some phenomenal photos of him with QT, one of my paint horses and and him out by the pond. Our dear friend Kim Beer took uh, photos of him because I knew he was starting to fade and I wanted you to have you know really special photos and he loved the horses so we took QT out by this pond and had some great photos of him holding QT and just grinning from ear to ear and and, uh, really
2: Really neat photos he, of him he, that way. He also way. made uh, a lot of really close friends with... Uh some of your students, yeah, he did. He yeah. really
1: did. They'd share his navy stories or his breakfast table stories or whatever it may be for them, and they were always so kind to him and just understood if he was repeating the same story, you know, every day or or whatever. I hope they're as kind to me now that I'm doing that, but they were always doing that. And and eventually we needed to have him live somewhere other than our home because he started. What I remember anyway is he started remembering a time and I don't know if you know the story of it Dane but he, he'd always tell me he was going out front to meet somebody because he had sold a car or something right, right, it was really confusing and we'd find him out in the front street and we we lived on a farm street so he couldn't have got hurt there but quarter of a mile up was a pretty strong road and right. he'd be walking toward that so it just scared the life out of me that he'd end up getting hit by a car out on the highway so we had him assessed and we, we did take him to a really neat Assist, Not fancy, but a super cool right, yeah. assisted living near us. That was really run. It was a nonprofit yeah. run by the county, and it was so cool. They were
2: so nice to him. And the staff. The <clears throat> yeah. staff was just phenomenal yeah. and they
1: tell us these stories about that crazy dance he did you know, they'd have a dance and then he dance with all the women he loved to dance and so all the women liked him because there weren't very many guys in the assisted living and dance would you know james would always dance with the women and then he'd do some other dance what was that yeah. dance
2: he did he called it the hucklebuck i that, don't yeah is it real or did he just make it up? I, I think it was real. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs>
1: if anybody knows a dance called the hucklebuck, <laughs> will you get a hold of us and let us know if it's real or not? So this dance, and then again, maybe there's a it, dance uh, called the hucklebuck, but yeah. I don't know if he was doing it right either. Yeah. So he would sort of jump up in the air and click, <laughs> jump up in the air and click his heels, kind of like yeah, a lep- like a, like a yeah, leprechaun. leprechaun, yeah.
2: <laughs> So funny
1: and grin and the people that took care of him at the assisted living loved it. So they'd put certain music on and they would go, James, do the hucklebuck. <laughs> he'd be out there leaving the floor and doing the hucklebuck. Oh my god! But those were those were tough days too because we set him up with a nice room and stuff. But I remember my heart and your heart being really tugged on. We'd we'd go visit him a lot and when we'd get ready to go, he'd go, oh, Okay, we're all going home now. We're going home, and he so much wanted to come home again. That was. That right. was difficult. Really difficult. And we'd say, Well no, you know, this is your place to stay now. This is where you're staying. And he'd he'd shake his head. Well, I, I want to go home. And we'd say, I know, James, and we love you dearly and, and we need you to stay here for now, okay? And he'd say, Okay and go back to his room. That was that was rough. That's rough on a lot of people. We have Lots and lots of people in this country that because they need to work or they have little tiny kids or they themselves have health issues or a thousand reasons, they need to be living somewhere where people can safely take care of them. And God bless the caregivers in those assisted livings.
2: You remember the time they had uh, changed his medication around?
1: Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. That was the doctor did that. Right. Yeah, they, I don't remember why. They were looking for something that would help him. His dementia. Help, uh, yeah, I think it was to help his dementia. And We went to a neurologist. Yeah, and they changed the, the prescription and gave it to him. And two or three days later, he had thought, as I remember it, he had walked down the hall thinking that one of the caregivers had taken something out of his room that didn't belong to them. He thought they had his wallet, or I don't know, his teeth, or who knows. So he went down. But unfortunately, when the young girl stood up to see how she could help him, he popped her, he hit her. Right. And so they had a choice, they could call the police, or they could take him to the psych hospital. So they took him to the psych hospital, which is a scary place. And thank goodness, my background as a psychotherapist, when I heard the story, I thought, no, 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 he's lived in our house all these years, we would know if he had that streak in him if he had that tendency in him this is not him and and I said to Dane I said you know what remember we heard that they changed one of his prescriptions two or three days I think he's having a reaction yeah. so we called the psych hospital told them that they took him off that and he his brain cleared immediately
2: but they kept him in there for three weeks they had to yeah. by law yeah. they
1: had to by law so he sort of served time in the loony bin in Denver it wasn't fun felt sorry for him there so yeah yeah, there's some scary stuff yeah. that went on there. He met another guy that was kind of a buddy of his, and they'd sit with their backs against the wall in a chair near the nurse's station so nobody could get them. There were some legitimately psyched out people there so you know he didn't belong there and he knew he didn't belong there but he had to stay there so yeah those things are really tough as as people age and as they go so we have mostly I think you and I the memories knowing that it was one of the most special chapters in our marriage and in our life to have him come and live with us
2: Peggy was like spot on she was She was, Spot absolutely.
1: On. Yeah, dear soul, when he left, uh, he left a, a big hole in our hearts and in our life. And we're really glad to have had uh, James with us. And a lot of my students remember James as he made himself well-known. Now they're graduates and they, they remember James and all his funny stories. So thanks for listening to us. We, we we don't have a lot more family members, so we won't be doing that with the podcast a lot more. But we've had fun kind of sharing and thinking about our you together and our family members. And we hope some of the things give you lessons for your own family or maybe ways to laugh at funny things that are happening that while they're happening, they're not so funny, but you look back and they're really tender and dear and important uh, parts of all our
2: lives. Yeah, that we but one of, one of my biggest things is like, don't forget to ask questions, Questions. Oh, 100%. listen to stories. 100%. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because once they're gone, you know, you're not going to have that opportunity to, till you see them on the other side of the veil. So, you know, ask those questions, do a recording if you can, do a little recording on your phone and and think about what happened in their childhood and what happened in their life. How did you end up living there? And how did you work there? And what happened when? And things that they know as our world has has changed and changed and changed again. So, yeah, for sure. And we are grateful to Hope Through Horses who bring this podcast to you and for their uh, donation to part of it they subsidize part of our podcast and so look up hope throughhorses.com, see what they're all about make a donation if you can if you enjoy our podcast that's where we'd love to see you uh, chip in a little bit to hope through horses because they support us at touched by a horse thanks so much
0: everybody we'll see you again soon have a great day Thank you for listening to the Touched by a Horse podcast. If you'd like more information about anything we've talked about on the show today or our certification program, please visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com. That's touchedbyahorse.com. Or contact our office by phone at 303-440-7125. Also, be sure to keep up with us on social media. We're at Touched by a Horse on both Facebook and Instagram. See you around the barn and on the next episode.